Happy Easter, everybody. So if you're tuning in and you're like, this is like your first experience with church or whatever, uh, you have to excuse some of our you know, some of our habits on Easter. Uh, it is, it may seem weird to you or out of place, but it is something that makes me feel like it's Easter. When I say he has risen, and when you respond, he has risen indeed. Uh, now, you can't hear everybody that's saying the response right now, but you can know that everybody watching right now uh, is going to participate in this, who, who is a believer in the resurrection of Jesus. So I just want to be able to, to do this with you because it makes it feel like Easter to me, okay? So here we go. Uh, he is risen yeah, I, I, did, I, I didn't hear you. Um, no, I heard you. <laughs> we all, God heard us. And that's what's really important. Hey, look, it's tough being apart. It really is tough being apart. Uh, but let's, let's do something together right now. I want to do something that we can all participate together in and that we all know we're having the same experience. So I want you to find a piece of candy or a treat that you like, uh, but the key is that you can't eat it, okay? So just, uh, it's okay if you leave the room right now. If, you got, if you're in the living room, uh, if you're outside on the back porch, it's okay if you go inside and grab a piece of candy. I want everybody to have a piece of candy. Uh, th- this is going to be, this is going to be good. It's going to be worth it, okay? Uh, I have my favorite candy here on my table. These are Reese's Pieces eggs. These are the best Easter egg uh, around. It's the best candy uh, you could have for Easter, and I have a bag just for me, not to share, all right, on Easter, because God is good, and he's given me that, all right, to enjoy. Now, as you're out there looking for candy, and as everybody's getting their candy, I just want to say a couple things to you. Uh, now that we're apart, and we've been kind of not meeting together and you don't have a program when you come into the service times, uh, there are ways to stay connected. One of those is you can go to newcityabq.org forward slash blog and you can find out a lot of information there. Uh, You can also uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook and I would encourage you now, uh, if you've gotten the candy and you had the phone out or if you sent a kid out to go get the candy and you have your phone out, just to go ahead and follow us now so you can stay uh, on track with everything that's going on uh, with us at New City. Okay, so hopefully now everybody has a piece of candy. I've got mine. Uh, I've got the, the green egg here. And, uh, and when I count to three, we're all going to eat the candy together. Okay, so the idea here is I'll count to three. When I say three, that's when you can have the candy, but not sooner. Okay, all right, so one, two, hold on. Uh, just, just hold on because our next series that we're going to start next week is called Hold On, okay? And so we're going to hold on just for a second, and I want to talk to you about the next series coming up. It's, hold On is going to be a study in Colossians, six weeks. Here's the key verse. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And the key idea for this series is this. We need to hold on to the one who holds it all together. That's the big idea. All right, three. All right, you can have your candy now. I'm not going to eat mine because I don't want you to hear me eating, <laughs> but I'll, I'll eat this whole bucket later. All right, so here's, here's, a, here's a, a psalm for you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good, isn't he? I mean, he is really, really good. Now, you cannot get to the sweetness of the resurrection until you experience the bitterness of the cross, and that is something we need to wrestle with a little bit today. You see, the bitterness of the cross has an aftertaste of 
hopelessness. I thought this was Easter. It is. It is. You know how it ends, right? He's risen, okay? We can, we can go here. We can travel a little bit. Yeah, the bitterness of the cross has an aftertaste of hopelessness. In fact, I was reading through Luke 24, which is uh, the, 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 our passage today is in Luke 24. There are three resurrection scenes there that, that stick out, and the, the final resurrection scene in Luke 24 is when Jesus is showing the disciples his body, and he's saying, like, touch my hands, and, 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 and you know, recognize I, I'm right here with you. I want to eat with you. I want, I want, to, have, I want to have fish with you. And, and Jesus is here like, you know, hanging out physically, uh, engaging with them in table fellowship even. And it says this, it says that the disciples were disbelieving for joy. They disbelieved for joy. Now I've been thinking about that passage or that kind of phrase for a little bit now. Uh, they, they were engaged in kind of worship of Jesus because he's, he's raised from the dead. But they were disbelieving for joy. In other words, their worship was kind of the lead foot, but cognitively they hadn't yet put all the pieces together. They just watched him suffer and die on the cross. And so there's like this, this aftertaste of sort of hopelessness that hadn't quite you know, been dealt with yet. And I, I'm a pastor and I do a little bit of counseling every once in a while. And I gotta tell you, from a pastor's heart, three days is not enough time to process the death of a close friend. I mean, it's just not enough time to process that. And you got the resurrection here. And so disbelieving for joy makes sense. They're looking at this resurrection going, what do we do with this? See, hope is the ability to see a good outcome in the future. And the disciples had just seen their future end on the cross. And now the resurrection, disbelieving for joy, is the only way you could explain what they're experiencing. Uh, Youth can contribute to high hope capacity because built into youth is an expectation of a long future. Uh, you can recognize this and uh, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, but uh, somebody who is a recent graduate from their undergraduate program in college and they're eager and they're ready to go conquer the world and uh, they tell you all your dreams and you listen to their dreams and you want to encourage those dreams, but they're, the older you get, there's a little piece of you that's going, nah, I don't know. You know, because the older we get, the number of things we can hope to accomplish with our lives dissipates as our relative future diminishes. Uh, this is sounding really sad. But what happens here is, like you hear, you know, as the older you get, when you hear that youthful ambition, it's easy to say, well, we'll just see about that, right? I mean, it's easy to say that because no one accomplishes everything they hope to accomplish with their lives. Nobody does. We all have hopes and dreams that have not been fulfilled. But dreams sometimes come true. We, we love the stories when dreams come true and, and sometimes miracles happen. We love watching uh, miracle stories. And it seems that there are three kinds of people that wrestle with the, kind of the dreams coming true reality or the, the sometimes miracle, mir- miracles happen. You know, uh, there are the realists, there are the pessimists, and there are the optimists. Uh, the realist says, well, if you're... If your dream needs a miracle, it probably will not happen. In fact, I have an Excel spreadsheet that, that, that just illustrates the improbability of your dream happening. Uh, this person's likely an engineer and they get a lot of joy out of telling you the improbability of your dreams happening. Uh, there, there's a pessimist. Uh, if your dream needs a miracle, give up now. That's what the pessimist says. Uh, the pessimist's favorite poo character is, is Eeyore. All right? that, that's, who, that's who the pessimist slept with at night when they cuddled up with Eeyore. All right? 
right? But the optimist, this is what I can resonate with, says, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> you know, there, there are those of us in the population who if you say, hey, it's gonna take a miracle, you're saying, so you're saying there's a chance, right? I mean, that's how we're wired. Well, imagine that you have a dream that was founded on miracles. Like every day you were experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle and your dream was being built up on the foundation of miracles. Look at Luke 24, verse 18. Uh, Cleopas is kind of a key character here. He answers Jesus when Jesus approaches him and the other disciples are walking along the way. He, and <laughs> he says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things uh, that have happened uh, there in these days? And he said to them, what things? As Jesus says, so disciples, what things are you talking about? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people. Haven't you heard about all the miracles he did? I mean, this guy, how, 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 how could you escape Jerusalem without hearing about Jesus? He, he has just done miracle after miracle, mighty deed after mighty deed. How do you think it would feel to be a part of a movement founded on miracles and then watch it end so violently and absolutely void of any apparent miracle? I mean, what do you think it would feel like to be a disciple of Jesus just every day? Uh, uh, another miracle, another person healed, uh, a, a person raised from the dead, uh, walking on water, uh, turning water into, I mean, just unbelievable uh, amount of miracles happening in the ministry of Jesus. And then you're watching him suffering and you're thinking, oh, something good's gonna happen. There's gonna be another miracle. But, th but then he dies. <laughs> Jesus approaches these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And the scripture says, they stood still looking sad. They just kind of like, we're paralyzed with sadness. In fact, hopelessness can be a paralyzing experience. If, if hope is the ability to see a good outcome in the future, hopelessness is the inability to see any good outcome in the future. You can imagine the feeling. I mean, just all of this hope founded on miracles and then just abruptly ending. And so when Jesus comes up, they don't recognize that it's Jesus, but when he comes up to them, he might as well be a stranger asking the question about what are they talking about? And they're like, how have you not heard? And they're just struck with sadness. See, the road to Emmaus is a path between the fragile feelings of hopelessness and the fearless feelings of hopefulness. It's a path between, <laughs> between hopelessness and hopefulness. And maybe you need to travel that path today. Maybe that's the path, that's the journey you need to be on today. It's the journey between hopelessness and hopefulness. You see in verse 13, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about a seven mile uh, journey from Jerusalem. The two disciples may have been Cleopas and his wife Mary. Could have been, it doesn't necessarily need to be, but uh, many commentators have recognized when you see that Cleopas is the one who answers Jesus in verse 18, that that name seems very similar to Clopas uh, in John 19.25, who is married to Mary. 
And so this very well could be a married couple walking, uh, talking about the trauma they just experienced after watching Jesus die on the cross. And many couples have found walking side by side to be needed medicine for sad hearts. And they were, they were talking with each other about all the things that happened. Everything that just had happened in Jerusalem. As they walked away from Jerusalem, they were leaving all of their hopes buried behind them. You can imagine what they were feeling and what they were processing. In Luke 24, they say to Jesus, but we had, listen to the language, we had hoped. (laughs) But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. We had hoped. See, all of Israel dreamed and hoped to experience redemption, a redemption like the miraculous rescue of Israel in the Exodus. Everybody wanted that to happen. They thought Jesus was going to be the new Moses, going to lead the new Exodus, and then he dies on the cross, and it feels like all hope was lost. They just watched a dream that was formed on the foundations of miracles die. See, the lights go out when this kind of dream dies. If hope were a power grid providing light to all areas of life, this was like a terror attack on the power grid and little by little lights start going out all around them, closing in on them until just darkness. You can kind of get the sense of what it was like to watch the trial of Jesus and lights go out and watch the, 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 the persecution of Jesus and the lights go out, to watch the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus and the lights go out, to watch him die and more lights go out and then the tomb and you just think, man, all hope has been lost. So we can excuse these two disciples walking to Emmaus for not seeing Jesus. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. We, we, can, we can excuse them for not seeing him. You, you cannot see people who are right beside you in the dark. Friends, emotional darkness also blinds you from seeing people who are closest to you. And they were experiencing a form of emotional darkness that's hard to comprehend. I'm gonna give you a question that Bible students need to be asking every time they read the Bible. And the question is, why is this here? It's a very important question. You need to be asking that question when you're reading it because it's here for a reason. In John 21, 25, this is what John says. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So Luke had a number of things he could have given witness to. So why is this here? Why did he include this in his resurrection narrative? Why is the road to Emmaus so important to Luke's gospel? Let me give you one idea. Just because you can't see Jesus in your dark moments doesn't mean he's far from you. Just because you can't see Jesus in your dark moments does not mean he's far from you. Luke wants us to have the keys to unlock the dark door of despair in our lives. This passage is giving us the keys to unlock the dark door of despair and hopelessness so that we can walk out of that (laughs) into hope. 
See, hearing that Jesus was raised from the dead was not enough to unlock the door of despair and release them from their darkness. That's interesting in the text. Listen, but we had hoped. <laughs> they're, not, they're not in a position of hope here. We had, had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, he, that they had uh, even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but him they did not see. Now listen to the words of Jesus. Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. In other words, they had just got done sharing they had heard the message of the resurrection, but the message of the, the message of the resurrection didn't do it for them. They were still in the position of having hoped. They, they were not in a position of believing. And one of the keys to unlocking the dark door of despair is understanding the suffering of Jesus. So Jesus begins to give them the keys, and he says, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things to enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them to interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He did a couple things here. He said, All the Bible's about me. And he said, specifically, the story of Moses, and, and more, more particularly, the story of the Passover is the story of my rescue of you that I am your Passover lamb. And that all those years of, of, of sacrificing the Passover lamb was pointing to my sacrifice and how my, my dying on the cross was, was to atone for your sins. It was leading you on the ultimate exodus out of the slavery to sin into to freedom from sin. And I am the true and better Moses leading the true and better exodus. I'm the true and better Passover lamb who has taken away your sins once and for all. But there's another reason why it's important for us to recognize the suffering of Jesus. See, the seriousness of the suffering of Jesus helps us to understand that God takes our suffering seriously. I just don't think we would take seriously the message of Christianity if we were talking to a God who had no ability to understand the pain that we experience in this life. Because life is painful. And life hurts. And you can know this about Jesus. He understands your pain and he understands your hurt. He understands your suffering. In our darkest moments, we need to know that Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus did not merely come to save us from suffering. He saved us through his suffering. Hear me, he didn't just come to save us from suffering, he saved us through his suffering. Let me put it another way. Jesus is not on the outside of the dark door of despair saying, come out to me. No, he's on the inside with us saying, come out with me. Do you see the difference? Jesus walked into our suffering, walked into this world and suffered alongside of us and said, friend, follow me, come out with me and I'll show you the way to hope. 
See, another key to unlocking the dark door of despair is the presence of Jesus. Uh, Look again at the text in verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was gonna go further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. You see, the the door of darkness was opened by the presence of the resurrected friend. Luke is saying, do you see Jesus revealing himself through hospitality? Revealing himself through table fellowship? Revealing himself through breaking the bread with friends? By the way, Jesus was often accused, as, as is true in Matthew eleven nineteen, of being a friend of sinners. Sometimes when we talk about being a friend with Jesus, people people tend to think that that, that's, that doesn't, Jesus doesn't want to be a friend with me. And I want you to know something. There's no category of human for which Jesus doesn't have <laughs> wonderful affection for. There's no category of human that is excluded from the grace of Jesus. And he wants you to know his grace today. And we experience his presence through his word shared in the context of community. Listen to how they, how they process what happened. They said, they said to each other, these are the two disciples talking to each other, Do, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? When we heard the word of God, didn't we just burn inside? By the way, I've been praying that you would feel that today. That, that you would feel that this Easter Sunday as the word is taught to you and proclaimed to you, that the Holy Spirit would cause his word to burn inside of you and you'd recognize that as his presence with you. And what happened at this table fellowship is Jesus broke the bread and blessed it and gave to it and their eyes opened. Jesus instantaneously turned their despair into hope. Instantaneously. And they rose the same hour, they returned to Jerusalem, they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now you see they had been on a journey. The road to Emmaus is a path between the fragile feelings of hopelessness and the fearless feelings of hopefulness. And they had, they had experienced a miracle of faith. It was, it was wonderful. Disbelieving for joy. Sometimes that's our only posture. Just marveling at the truth of the resurrection. Not being able totally uh, to make sense of it cognitively, but knowing it here. Knowing it because the Holy Spirit's revealing it to us. And just disbelieving for joy. You see, Jesus gives us a hope. He gives us a hope that can't die. 
Listen to the words of Peter. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, a hope that can't die. I want you to hear this. There, there will never again be darkness because of him. In the, in the resurrection, listen, in Revelation 22, in the new creation, here, here's what the Bible says. And night will be no more. They, they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Despair, listen, listen, friend, despair has forever been locked up in the prison of his grace. Tweet that one, all right? Despair has been forever locked up in the prison of his grace. Listen to how the, the Apostle Paul says it. In Romans 8, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will separate us for the love of god in christ jesus our lord because of the resurrection death has been overcome sin has been overcome and everything that separates you from god has been overcome and there's nothing in the way anymore between you and god everything Oh boy, everything is being made new by our Savior. <sighs> Listen, he gives freedom. He gives freedom once and for all from sin, from death, and all the things that cause us to be sad. Hear me, he gives freedom from <laughs> once and for all from sin, from death, and all the things that cause us to be sad. Listen to what Tim Keller says, he says, Everything sad is going to come untrue and it will somehow be greater for having once been broken and lost. Now that is a mystery to me, how that all works. But I'm disbelieving for joy. <laughs> I am worshiping. <sighs> With a hope that cannot die, we are free to dream. Because our future is endless. And we're free to dream. So let's dream. Let's, let's, let's dream. Dream of no more sickness. That's a dream I want to have. Uh, dream of no more death. Dream of no more tears. Because that's the reality that you and I have to look forward to because of the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to Revelation 21. Verse four and five, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Write it down, it's true, it's trustworthy. He's making everything new. Look, we have a dream. We have a dream that is incapable of failing because it's a dream that was founded in a fact of history. He has risen. Like, it's a fact of history. He rose from the grave. Our dream is secure in him. So that's why we can say, because of the resurrection, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. We can agree with the Apostle Paul when he says that. For, for me to live, <laughs> to live as Christ, to die as Cain. Friends, there, there's nothing like the feeling you experience when your whole heart believes the Lord has risen indeed and he is with me. Nothing like that feeling. 
I've been trying to describe it. I've been trying to describe it to my children, trying to describe it to my, to my family this week. Like we've been, trying, we've been talking about it in our home. What is it like when you experience the presence of Jesus? Uh, the disciples called it a burning inside of them. Uh, they, they experienced him through the breaking of bread. One phrase that came to my mind is Jesus is a warm and comforting light that drives out all of the dark and scary parts of your life. Another way I I try to put words to it is Jesus is a cool summer rain that is always available to replenish the soul thirsty for friendship. I was reminded this week that with Jesus you're never alone. You're never alone. He has promised to be with you. I want to ask you a question, and this is, this is for anybody who needs this question today. Are you ready today to receive Jesus? Are, are you ready? Maybe you've, you've never heard the story of the resurrection, and this is all new to you, and it hasn't, doesn't make total sense yet. But you know there's a burn inside of you you're starting to put the pieces together. You believe that Jesus has lived the life that you could not live. He lived perfectly. He was a pure and spotless lamb. You're starting to get it, that he died on the cross for all of your sins and he paid the penalty for, for your sins on the cross. He's wiped away all of your sins. He's made, you, he's made you perfect and beautiful. In fact, he gave you his righteousness as a gift. Maybe you're starting to get it, that he was buried in a tomb And the resurrection is proof that he overcame your sin and overcame the the curse of sin, which is death, and that you had this wonderful dream of a hope that that lives on forever and ever, an imperishable hope with no more tears and no more death and no more crying with the presence of God, where darkness isn't there anymore and all the scariest stuff of life has been pushed away and off to the side. And Maybe maybe that's becoming more true for you. And if it's becoming more true for you, then what's stopping you now today from accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What is in the way of you saying right now that I am going to confess that Jesus Christ is my Savior? Now, if you're watching on the live stream, uh, there may be a a place for you to click. Just let us know that you are interested today in making a decision for Jesus to make him the Lord of your life and to start a journey with him. We'd love to know if that's true for you. Church, I'm so grateful that on Easter Sunday and every Sunday and every day, of the year that we can, we, can just, we, can just, we can just proclaim he is risen, right church? He is risen. And we can agree he is risen indeed. My hope, my hope for you today is that if you've experienced any level of hopelessness this week and you've, been, you've suffered from the inability to see the future, that what God will do is he'll fill you full of hopefulness and open your eyes to see the glorious future he has in store for you. May your eyes be open and may you be able to see what God has in store for you. God bless.